0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. I know it hurts, but I have to say it. It's the Boston Red Sox 4, the Indians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And man, did James Karinchek ruin a what should have been a really fun night for the Cleveland Indians and Logan Allen and Man, did check blow this thing. All right, before we get into that, it's obviously the top storyline of the game. We're going to do something fun here on Cleveland Baseball Mornings. Uh, we're going to do a little contest and give away some free t-shirts. Now that we got a merch shop going, now that we've got a Cleveland Baseball Mornings t-shirt, I want to give away some free t-shirts. Here's what you got to do to win a free t-shirt. Now, the show Cleveland Baseball Mornings has been doing really well this season, and I'm so thankful to all the morning people out there that take the time to listen and enjoy some good, solid baseball conversation. Much more solid baseball conversation than you'll find on any local radio around Cleveland. So I appreciate you jumping over to the podcast scene to find good baseball talk. And I really want to make the show grow. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to get more ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. It seems to be where most of you listen uh, to this show on that platform. It's probably the biggest podcasting platform out there. And we are a five-star show, all five stars on Apple Podcasts. The problem is we haven't gotten any in a while. Uh, Nobody's left a rating or review for most of the season. So to encourage you morning people to get out there and write some ratings and reviews, we're doing a contest here the first five people that leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts are going to win a free t-shirt. You can get it to me however you need to get it to me. Obviously, don't put your contact information in Apple Podcasts, but take a screenshot of it, take a picture of it on your phone that you left the five stars, that you left the review, and uh, email to me, Mornings at gmail.com. You can DM it to me on Twitter at Davy Barris. Get it to me however you need to get it to me and uh, show me that you left the review and let me know what size t-shirt, what color t-shirt you want. Uh, there's the tri-blend. There's the 50-50 blend. Uh, the first five people that do this will win a free t-shirt. So let's throw it out there. Let's see what happens. Uh, Hey, and I want you to be honest in your review. That's only fair. I'm going to give the free t-shirts out to people that leave five-star reviews. But if you feel like leaving a different review, I want you to be honest. So yeah, so if you want a chance to win a free t-shirt, who doesn't love a free t-shirt? Most of my childhood and my teenage years and my college years and my 20s and my 30s were basically built around how can I acquire free t-shirts. So here's your chance to win a Cleveland Baseball Mornings t-shirt. So the first five people... Again, email it to me, Twitter. You know all the contact info. It's in the show notes if you need to find it. Uh, hit me up. And if you want to go check out the t-shirts, it's Cleveland Baseball Also in the show notes. All right, let's get into this game. And man, Karen check, uh, I'm pretty sure the entire city of Cleveland is just done with him. I'm done with him. I don't ever I don't want to see him again for the rest of the season in a high pressure situation. If it's a 10-2 blowout, he could pitch. Either way, winning or losing. If it's a 13-6 to blowout, sure. Go ahead, get an inning a work in. If it's a, if it's a two-run game, you do not see our baseball field. I don't want to see you on the mound at Progressive Field in a two-run game ever again. It was just, not ever again, for the rest of the season. What I'll tell you, James Karinczak, is go figure out how to throw your pitches without the sticky stuff, and then come back to spring training a different pitcher. Then maybe you can earn an opportunity to be in the back of this bullpen again. It's very clear, very obvious that Karinchek cannot throw without the sticky stuff right now. I mean, he can't drop that curveball like he used to. He uh, he can't rise that fastball like he used to. It's not working without the sticky stuff, and. The best proof of this is his charity that he has, the Strikeouts for Police Officers or whatever it is. Uh, He's literally keeping track week by week of how many strikeouts he has, and you can see where the drop-off is. The drop-off is the same week that they started checking players for Sticky Stuff. Suddenly, his strikeouts per week dropped significantly. So did his donations to the charity. So, yeah, it's pretty obvious. And in this one, he comes in and uh, pitches the eighth inning and doesn't record an out. Takes the loss, takes the blown save. as fifth of the season. Zero innings credited pitch because he doesn't record an out. Gives up two hits, three earned runs, a walk, and a home run given up. No strikeouts in this one. He faces three batters. Comes in and faces three batters. And let's jump over to the scoreboard here. So he starts the inning off by walking Christian Vasquez. Walks have always been a problem for Karinczak. But when he could strike people out, they weren't as much of a problem. You would live through a Karinczak walk because he knew he would strike the next two, three guys out. Well, now he gives up a single to Jaron Duran. So after the single, they've got runners on first and second. Nobody out. And uh, here comes Jonathan Aruiz. And number nine hitter. Doing what a number nine hitter is supposed to do. Attempts to drop down a bunt twice. And he can't do it. Ends up fouling it off. Can't get the bunt down. Frankly, had terrible technique. Absolutely awful. Didn't get that left hand out there at all to stabilize the bat. It was just kind of flailing, kind of chopping at it. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty ugly technique on a bunt attempt. He can't get it down. Now he ends up working the count full. And what does he do? He gets a high inside fastball. Gets quick hands to it. Hits at 100.2 miles per hour on a 21-degree line drive, 375 feet for a three-run home run for a guy who was trying to give himself up. check has to throw him a strike. You can't walk the number nine hitter and load the bases with nobody out for the top of the order. So he uh, throws him a fastball high and tight, and he cranks it. Cranks it for a home run. Uh, so, yeah, so Karinchek blows it, and he's gone. He's out of there. Blake Parker comes in. It's now a 4-3 Boston lead. Boston scores four runs on only three hits. They only had three hits. Their box score is terrible for Boston. Munoz, the leadoff hitter, Schwerber, Bogarts, number three, Devers, number four, Verdugo, number five. They're all over on the day. There none of them record a hit. The top five hitters for Boston do not record a hit. Dahlbeck had the double, the only hit that uh, Logan Allen would give up, and then Duran and Aruiz Ar- have the hits off of Karinchak. That's it for the whole day. The Indians were dominating this thing. I mean, not dominating, not like a like a fifteen run game, but they were in control of the win probability line the entire game. It was in their hands the entire game, and Karachek blows it. All right, I'm done with him. I'm done. I'm moving on to Logan Allen, because that should be the top storyline of this game. Logan Allen, who comes up from AAA, and who frankly, down in AAA, it wasn't going much better than it had been in Cleveland. He had an over seven ERA down in AAA. I think a 795 based on his last start down there in AAA. So he comes up to Cleveland because McKenzie has the injury, because frankly, we just need arms at this point to get through the season or get to where Savali and McKenzie and Bieber come back. By the way, Savali did do another rehab start, so Savali should be pretty close. Savali should be pretty close to coming back. I did not hear how that rehab start went, but I didn't hear, anything, I didn't hear any bad news. I'm assuming no news is good news on that front. Um, so Logan Allen gets the start, his last three starts down in triple a, uh, one of them was decent. One of them was decent. He was struggling with the long ball and the walks down there in triple a. So it's going to sound strange, but his last three starts have all been against Omaha. Now you're probably wondering how in the world do you have three starts in a row, your standard five man rotation, and they're all against the same team. I did not realize this. Triple A this season has been playing week-long series, six-game series, and then they travel on Monday. So if you start game one, you're going to start against the same team in game six on Sunday. If you start Tuesday, you'll start Sunday. And then they ended up uh, playing Omaha back-to-back with uh, Toledo in between. So that was the month of August for them, basically. It was Omaha, Toledo, then back to Omaha. And uh, Logan Allen just happened to start – Three of those games against Omaha. So the first game against him, he goes four and two thirds, uh, three hits, gives up four runs because he gives up two home runs and three walks. He does strike out 10 in that game, Uh, takes a no decision. His next start against Omaha, uh, he actually pitches really well, gets the win, five innings pitch, only three hits, no walks, no home runs, no runs allowed and six strikeouts. Pretty good performance there. Uh, from Logan Allen. His next start against Omaha does not go as well. Again, a no decision. Four and a third. Seven hits this time. Four earned runs again. Two home runs again. Three walks again. Only five strikeouts. So, a pretty coming off a pretty bad performance. That's what he's coming off of to start against Boston, one of the best hitting teams in baseball, who is dealing with some injuries. They got guys like Kiki Hernandez who are out. Uh, or, I think he's going by Enrique Hernandez now. Um, who are out because of COVID. They had two guys that were listed out because of COVID, including Hernandez. So a little bit of a depleted lineup for Boston. But he comes in, and he is just filthy. His final line on the day, six innings pitched, one hit, one earned run, a walk, and five strikeouts on the day. And he went through a streak here in this game where he strikes out four in a row. So he really, really locks in. And ironically, the run he gave up was not the hit. The hit was a double in the second inning that he ends up giving up to uh, Bobby Dahlbeck with two out. Shoots one down the left field line. Actually, rockets one down the left field line. 110.2 mile per hour exit velocity. The next batter, Christian Vasquez, tries to follow and do the same thing. Hits one 96.7 miles per hour down the left field line. But Jose Ramirez makes a fantastic diving catch to snag this one. Uh, Jose Ramirez trying to make up maybe maybe a little bit of amends for uh, running out of the inning in the first inning. In the first inning, he had shot a single through the right side and uh, tried to stretch it for two and got tagged out going for second. It was a a typical aggressive Jose Ramirez on the base path kind of play. It just didn't work out this time for him. Um, so he, make amends, he makes amends in the second inning by snaring that line drive. Um, That would be it. That would be the only hit uh, that uh, he would give up. Logan Allen, that would be the only hit he would give up the whole game. He gets into trouble again in the fifth inning. He's got the two-run lead now, thanks to a Jose Ramirez two-run home run, and he ends up hitting Verdugo to start the inning. That sucked. So he moves up to second on a wild pitch. So Logan Allen is really making things easy on Verdugo to get around the base paths here. Hits him, then a wild pitch moves him up to second. Dahlbeck has a grounder to shortstop, and Ahmed Rosario sees he has a play at third base. He's going to throw a Verdugo out at third base, but the throw to third pulls Jose Ramirez kind of off the bag. It's just awkward the way Jose catches it, and he can never get the tag down. He just can't. He, he's got to keep that ball from going into the dugout. It wasn't a terrible throw. It just was high, and he just couldn't get the tag down. And uh, Verdugo gets really lucky there because we all know, hey, if you've ever played MLB The Show, you know you don't run on a ball in front of you like that. When you're a runner at second base and there's no force behind you, a ground ball to third or shortstop, you don't, you don't go. You hold on those. If it's behind you, you can go. If it's like up the middle and, you know, your secondary lead already has you towards third base, you, you go. But this one was in front of him. He tries to take third anyways, and he gets lucky, and he gets in there. So now it's a hit-by-pitch, a a wild pitch, a fielder's choice, and then Vasquez grounds into a double play. Vasquez doesn't even get an RBI out of this. He grounds into a double play. The run from third comes in to score, and they get out of the jam. Uh, He would walk Jonathan Aruiz to start the sixth, He would get Munoz to actually ground into a force out. They almost turned the double play, but Munoz can fly down the base paths. He gets Schwarber to line out to left field and then strikes out Xander Bogarts to end the sixth inning, and he is pumped up. He knew it was his last hitter. He knew it was his last inning, and he is fired up knowing that he just put the Cleveland Indians in a position to win the baseball game, and that's exactly what it should have been. Logan Allen should have been celebrating a W after this one. So he talked about, you know, after game. he talked about pounding the strike zone. He talked about, uh, yeah, just being aggressive and throwing strikes. He was nibbling a little too much. He talked about using the slider to keep them uh, keep them off balance. And it worked. Uh, it worked really well. In fact, let's go take a look at those strikeouts. Those four strikeouts in a row uh, that he got to uh, end the third and start the fourth inning. It starts with Jonathan Arruiz. And he really blows away ROEs On four pitches, ROEs takes three called strikes on this one. Starts him with a fastball up that he takes for a called strike. Throws a changeup away. Throws another changeup that he uh, hits the outside corner with. So now he's up one and two in the count. And then buries a four-seam fastball down at the knees that's in the strike zone. By plenty. And ROEs just stares at it. So ROEs sits down on the bench without ever taking the bat off his shoulder. Munez comes up next, a little bit of a different approach against Munez, throws him a changeup up up and in for a called strike, Uh, throws him a slider down and away, Uh, paints the outside corner with a backdoor slider, that's a really nice pitch right there, throws him a fastball that gets a lot of the plate, he fouls it off, frankly in a lot of these at-bats you'll see one pitch that was probably the pitch that the Red Sox hitter should have taken advantage of, but he can't get it, he fouls it off. He did just see two slow ones in a row, right? Two off-speed pitches in a row. Comes back with a 94.3 mile per hour fastball. His fastball touched 96 yesterday, I think, was his hardest-thrown fastball. Then buries a slider down and in. This one I'm talking really buries, like at the feet, uh, down and in. And he swings through it. Uh, It was actually in the dirt. Ramos had to fire it down to Chang to complete the strikeout. And that gets him out of the third then in the fourth, it's Schwarber who starts things off. Uh, starts him off with a slider that he drops in for a called strike. Misses with a slider down and away, a 1-1 count. Throws up another slider right back in the exact same spot as the first one, and Schwarber follows it off. That's probably the one he gets lucky on. How many times have we seen a guy going back to the same pitch in the same spot turns into a big hit or a home run? Uh, so Schwarber follows it off. Throws him a changeup down that he lays off. Good patience from Schwarber there, so it's a 2-2 count. And then paints the outside corner down and outside with a called strike fastball. And uh, yeah, he got the benefit of the doubt on this one. He That one was on the black. That was right off the edge. And he gets the called strike to strike out Schwarber. And then Bogarts comes up. He got Bogarts twice in this one. That's nice. And uh, this time mixes in a curveball to start things. Said postgame wasn't really feeling the curveball as much. Was feeling the slider much more. He fouls off the curveball to start. Throws him a changeup away. This one's a battle. This is a seven-pitch at-bat. Throws him a fastball away uh, that he lays off both those pitches. So now Bogarts is up in the countdown on 2-1. Throws him a slider that, frankly, should have been the pitch Bogart hits. It's pretty much middle of the plate. And he fouls off that slider. Uh, throws up another changeup on the plate that he fouls off, drops a slider down in a way He can't paint the edge this time, throws it a little too low, the backdoor slider. So now it's worked it to a full count, throws another slider that he buries in on the left corner of the plate, down and in, and this one is a called strike. So three of these are called strike three that uh, Bogarts takes looking on this slider. So, Fantastic job of pitching by Logan Allen. Let's go to the player breakdown. Let's see what he was throwing. Um, Logan Allen was having pretty good success with that four-seam fastball. He had nine called strikes on that four-seam fastball, and they were being aggressive. They swung 17 times at his fastball, 14 times at his slider. They were being aggressive, I guess, except for those strikeouts. Those were like the exception to the rule where they stared at some pitches, Uh, So it's a 31% CSW on his four-seam fastball. The slider only has a 25% CSW, but they fouled eight of them off. They only were able to put four in place, so the slider was working despite the lower CSW number. 38% CSW on the changeup, probably the most effective pitch based on CSW. Remember, called strikes plus whiffs. The curveball, he only threw five times. It's a bit of an outlier. It's a 40% CSW, but he only threw it five times, two called strikes. And uh, a 31% CSW total on the day. So good job by Logan Allen of getting strikes. And this thing was a bit of a pitcher's duel. Eduardo Rodriguez on the other side had himself a pretty good day too. In fact, a day good enough to win most of the time. He goes seven innings, does give up eight hits, uh, three earned runs, a walk and two strikeouts, and two home runs allowed. And because of James Karachek, actually does take the win in this game. Yeah. He gets the win, Richards gets the hold, and Adovino gets the save. And what was working for Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez wasn't the CSW stuff. It wasn't getting strike, you know, a lot of strikeouts and stuff like that. He only had two strikeouts on the day. Uh, he was not racking up the strikeouts. He only has a 20% CSW total on the day. It was weak contact. The average exit velocity on all his pitches, the highest exit velocity was on his average exit velocity. Average was on his sinker, which was at 86.7. They averaged 84.6 off his fastball, 70.8 off his cutter, 83.8 off his changeup, and 65.2 off his slider, which there was only one one that he, they put in play off his... He only threw it six times, so he doesn't throw the slider a ton. So the average X velocity on the day for the Indians was only at 81.4. So that's how Eduardo Rodriguez was able to navigate his way through seven innings. It was inducing weak contact. So a good job by Eduardo Rodriguez. It was quite the pitching duel, to be honest. The big plays from the Indians came on the home runs. It came from Jose Ramirez, who was three for four on the day, including the big two-run home run. Him and Ahmed Rosario put together a nice little rally there in the fourth inning. Ahmed Rosario leads it off by shooting a... Uh, shooting a single into right center field, and then Jose Ramirez follows it up with a pretty long at-bat here. Jose Ramirez goes seven pitches. In fact, Ahmed Rosario also went seven pitches to get his single, and he takes a sinker, an inside sinker, and shoots it out into uh, right center field. Jose Ramirez works a uh, a seven-pitch at-bat, works it to a full count, then gets a changeup that's just sitting on the outside part of the plate for him, and he's able to turn on it and put it it over the left field wall for a home run. 98.5 mile per hour exit velocity, 26-degree launch angle, so a bit of a line shot, 378 feet, his 30th home run on the season. And I think they said on the radio broadcast uh, that Al Rosen is the only other Indians third baseman to have multiple 30 home run seasons. And uh, we're going to get into this at the end of the episode here. It's going to be a little bit of a long one. But I want to look at Indians third baseman. Where does Jose Ramirez rank all time in Indians third baseman? After they threw that stat out about Al Rosen in the 50s, it kind of made me wonder, like, where does Jose Ramirez sit? But before that, we got to talk about the only other Indians run because it came on a Yu Chang home run off, uh, off of, who did he hit this one off of? Yes, he did hit it off of Eduardo Rodriguez. So Rodriguez uh, thought for some reason he could really make a changeup away happen to Yu Chang. Chang fouls off the first one. The second one is way away for a ball that he lays off. Throws him a cutter down and in, which I guess if you're going to change up away to mix it up with a cutter down and in is a good idea. He just misses with it. So he's down in the count to one. Throws him another changeup up and away. The last time Yu Chang was up, what did we see? Or the last game... The last two games, he's been taking breaking balls. He's been taking off-speed pitches and hitting it out to right field. He's been taking them off the outside edge of the plate and hitting them out to right field for a home run. What does he do on the fourth pitch of this at-bat? Takes a changeup that probably would have been called a ball just off the right edge and hits it to right field for a big home run, a home run that, frankly, the Indians needed. They were up 3-1 at that point. Uh, after the home run, 99.4 mile per hour exit velocity, 32-degree launch angle, 363 to the seats in right field, his sixth home run. I think it's his third home run maybe in his last three games. So Chang really doing a fantastic job up there. And he said after the game that uh, Vermeer Reyes, Vermeer Reyes has been helping him. They've been talking about going to right field, using the big part of the ballpark, and uh, for Miel Reyes, is one of the reasons that he's starting to have a little bit of success since he came back post-All-Star break. And uh, yeah, he has had three home runs in his last three game games, all on off-speed pitches, all off the right edge of the plate, and all sent out to right center or right field. So that is absolutely fantastic from Yu Chang. Let's look at a split since the, uh, since the All-Star break. He's hitting 275 with a 962 OPS. So, putting in the work, putting in the work to put together a pretty good post All Star game season here for himself. All right. So, that was it. That was the big storylines of this game. And the Indians come up on the losing end of it. They move back to 500 on the season. And they had a really good chance, a really good chance of doing some damage in the wild card. They still do. They face Boston five more times, like in the next week or something like that. Um, They have a really good chance of maybe making some noise in the wild card, but a win last night against Boston really would have helped those things. All right. MVP for the day, because I keep forgetting to do it. I'm sorry. It's my own gimmick, and I keep forgetting to do it. Um, MVP for the day has to go to Logan Allen to be called up in that spot, to not really have a track record of success, down in triple A that could give you the confidence boost that you need when you come back to the majors uh, to come out and do that against Boston was absolutely fantastic. So Logan Allen, you get MVP for the day. You should have got the win. You should have taken home a win as well, but unfortunately you don't, but at least a consolation prize, you get MVP for the day on our little small podcast here. So um, let's talk Indians third baseman. So I started to do the research. I was about to pull out the calculator and start adding up war numbers and stuff like that. But luckily, luckily, Mandy Bell has already taken care of this for us. So she wrote an article on April 13th of 2020. So, you know, a couple seasons ago. Um, And this was in the middle of the pandemic when no baseball was going on. So uh, looking for things to write about. So she wrote an article that basically who is the best Indians third baseman of all time. So her top five. Uh, number one for her was Al Rosen. Uh, number two for her was Ken Keltner. Remember Al Rosen is the last one who won an MVP award in 1953. He's the last Cleveland baseball player to win an American league MVP award. So Al Rosen was her number one. Ken Keltner was her number two. He played from 37 to 49. Uh, his key fact that Mandy had was he, uh, He made two difficult backhanded plays to end Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. That's right. Joe DiMaggio's hit streak ended against Cleveland. That's one one claim to fame the Cleveland Indians have. Uh, Bill Bradley, who was the original third baseman for the Cleveland franchise from 1901 to 1910, uh, is number three. He has the highest war of all Indians third basemen. And then Jose Ramirez was her number four Uh, Obviously, you all know about Jose Ramirez, and Larry Gardner checks in uh, from 1919 to 1924 as their number five uh, third baseman of all time. He was the third baseman when they won their first championship. Jumping over to baseball reference and looking at the war leaders all-time for Indians position players, coincidentally, these guys all stack up 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th on the Indians all-time list for war. uh Jose Ramirez has probably passed Al Rosen this season. If this is up to date with this current season, which I believe it is, uh Al Rosen checks in with a 32.3 cumulative war for his career. Now, you'll see it sometimes referenced as B-war. That's because baseball reference and fan graphs, I think they do this a little bit different. And there's something slightly different in their formula for war that causes people to differentiate between the two. So, You see, B-War, you know we're on baseball reference, so we'll just say War. Al Rosen, 32.3 for his career. Jose Ramirez has just passed him at 32.4. So one-tenth of a percentage point above him. Now, one full War above that is Ken Keltner, 12th all-time on the Indians list at 33.4. And Bill Bradley uh, has the most cumulative War of any full-time Indians third baseman at 34.6. So... If Jose Ramirez, even if he just plays out the rest of this contract, is probably going to pass all of them and be the Indians' greatest third baseman of all time. Does that sound like the kind of guy you probably want to lock up for the rest of his career? Feels that way to me. Man, that would make some really, really positive news heading into the first official season as the Guardians. If you could let the the Cleveland baseball, I almost said Indians, if you could let the Cleveland baseball fans know that Jose Ramirez is going to be here for a while longer, that would really make some good publicity tied in with the official announcement that we are the Guardians. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, if he sticks around for a while, he is definitely going to climb this list. Now, there are guys higher. Uh, Joe Sewell played third base a little bit, was primarily a shortstop. He's up at 45. He's 7th on the list. Jim Tomey obviously started at 3rd base before moving across to 1st. He's at 48. It's going to be really hard to catch the WAR leader for the Cleveland Indians. Nap Wajue is up at 79.6, career cumulative war, with Tris Speaker right behind him at 74.8. Lou Boudreau would be 3rd at 62.2. Yeah, it's going to take some serious work. To catch those guys. Um, man, uh, that, is some, that is some good careers. And just to give you a comp, just to let you know what it would take, um, I went back and looked at some of the 90s players. Albert Bell, his cumulative war for his entire career, not just with Cleveland, was only 40.1. Remember, his career got cut short a little bit because of those knee injuries. In fact, Omar Vizquel had almost twice as many at-bats as him his cumulative career war was 45.6. Manny Ramirez was a little bit higher. He got his cumulative war up to 69.3 over his career, obviously mostly split between Cleveland and Boston with a little bit of LA and other teams sprinkled in. And uh, Jim Tomey, if he had played his entire career in Cleveland, could have been up in this list, but he only would have been third on this list. His cumulative war for his career was 73.1. Uh, obviously, splitting time between Cleveland, Philadelphia, Chicago, Minnesota. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, if Tommy would have played his entire career in, in, in an Indian's uniform, he would have been third all-time on the list. That's the type of career that Napolajouet and Speaker had. That's how good they were. Think about how good Tomy was over his career. These guys were better as far as impacting the game, right? That's what war shows your impact, your total impact on the game. Uh, it's not just home runs, right? It's not just stolen bases. It's not just hits. It's all of that kind of put together wins above replacement. So it's one of our best metrics to looking at, you know, the career of somebody and, uh, It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot to get up in the top three here. And uh, Jose Ramirez might not have enough career left to get all the way up there, but he definitely has enough to get into the top 10 uh, if he continues to play in Cleveland. He could get up there with the Kenny Loftons and the Jim Tomies, who were up in the high 40s, both at 48, 48. 48.6 for Lofton, fifth all-time, Tomy 48.0 for his Indians career. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. I hope you've enjoyed this, you know, left turn down memory lane to look at Indians, third baseman, to look at some career war numbers. Um, You know, as much as I love focusing on the game, I also love talking Cleveland baseball history. So, um You know, I I get a lot of that from my time I worked with Les Levine. And Les Levine, obviously, is someone who knew a ton of Indians history. And I got to hear it every day on his show and look at these numbers and look at these names. And I'm a younger guy, and I don't obviously never saw these guys play. But I do have appreciation for the history of the franchise here. And remember, that history does not change just because the team's name is changing. In fact, some of those guys never played for the Cleveland Indians. They played for the Cleveland Naps or the Cleveland Blues. So the history does not change just because the name changes. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Remember, for show merch, visit Cleveland Baseball clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com for premium T-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs. For men, women, kids, show off your pride for Cleveland Baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. You wear the shirt around, people say, hey, what is that? Well, it's this podcast I listen to. Helps grow the show. The link is in the show notes, and it's my pin tweet on Twitter. Again, the final from Cleveland, it's a tough one. It's the Red Sox 4, the Indians 3. We got a little late afternoon baseball today. Evaldi is going up against Quantrill, and uh, we'll see if the current ace of our staff can get us back on the winning side of things. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if we go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. Don't forget to send in those five star reviews, win a free T shirt, a free Cleveland Baseball Mornings T shirt. Hit me up on any of those ways of contacting me, and thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.